Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Now, this week on Factor Magri, I have a story on organic farming in Sri Lanka. It's August 2019. A former military officer from a powerful political family is campaigning to be Sri Lanka's next leader. Three months later, Gotabaya Rajapaska is sworn in as the country's president. He won the election with a new vision for Sri Lanka, including a bold policy for the entire country to switch to wholly organic food production within 10 years. This plan was hugely ambitious, but it was also deeply flawed. It's now cited as one of the reasons Sri Lanka has sunk into its worst economic crisis for decades, sparking outrage, protest and a U-turn. So why did Sri Lanka's organic farming dream fail? Agriculture is very important, particularly when it comes to employment. Juvika Verahava is a professor of agricultural economics at the University of Peridinia in Sri Lanka. At the time that President Rajapaska was elected, farming-related industries were vital to the economy. 25% of our labour force is engaged in the agriculture sector. What it means is that 2 million people were working in the agriculture sector. So if you look at our contributions uh, to GDP, you will see that agriculture sector itself contributes around 7% to the GDP. However, if you look at food manufacturing, you can see that another 6% is contributed by food manufacturing. So even when you look at the gross national production, agriculture and food constitute fairly a large amount. Around 80% of Sri Lanka's domestic food supply was produced by the country's smallholder farmers. The main one is rice. It is our staple food and we need around 10 kilograms per person per month. And we were more than self-sufficient in rice. And also in vegetables, tropical fruits, coconut, meat, eggs. It had taken many years to reach that point. Back in the 1960s, a global initiative to tackle malnutrition in developing nations was rolled out in several countries, including Sri Lanka. It was called the Green Revolution. It boosted production using high-yielding varieties of traditional crops alongside modern cultivation techniques like nutrient-heavy growing methods. We had to encourage farmers to use uh, more and more chemical fertilisers because we can get a good harvest from these improved varieties if and only if we apply sufficient doses of chemical fertilizers. So we started to provide a subsidy to the farmers starting from 1962. And that is to encourage farmers to grow improved varieties of rice which are high yielding. The majority of Sri Lanka's small farmers are poor and can't afford chemical fertilisers without state help. 
substantial discounts were introduced, sometimes up to 90% off market prices. The idea of ending the scheme was a step that no politician dared to take. One million paddy farmers received this chemical fertilizers at subsidized rates. So what happens if you remove this? They will lose the confidence of the government and they will find it hard to produce paddy at a reasonable cost. So that can increase rice prices. So everything is linked. There's another significant price attached to this raw material essential for Sri Lanka's economic growth, the cost of importing it. We do not produce uh, chemical fertilisers in Sri Lanka. From 1960s, we have been uh, relying on the world market to fulfil our chemical fertiliser requirement. As well as that, Sri Lanka also has to import supplies of sugar, wheat and milk. Traditionally, Sri Lanka has paid for these much-needed goods using money it makes selling crops like tea, coconut and spices overseas. Pre-pandemic agriculture represented around 20% of the country's total exports. It's paid for in dollars, which boosted Sri Lanka's foreign exchange reserves, which took a big hit when COVID struck in early 2020, as the country's lucrative flow of foreign tourists suddenly evaporated. We depend on uh, foreign exchange earnings. One is tourism. So tourists uh, stop coming to the country due to the restrictions imposed. Around the same time, supply chain problems triggered a global shortage of fertiliser ingredients. Demand and prices rocketed. Sri Lanka's finances took another hit. And decades on from the Green Revolution, crop yields had increased substantially. But then came reports of illness. For some time, many farmers in the north-central province of Sri Lanka were subjected to CKDUs. The first cases of CKDU, or chronic kidney disease of unknown origin, emerged in the mid-1990s. By 2021, Sri Lanka had become a CKDU hotspot. Some people suspected that uh, it is due to chemical fertilisers applied by these farmers, because farmers also do not make uh, precautions, uh, they do not follow safety guidelines when they apply agrochemicals, not only fertilizers, but also pesticides. However, these were like hypotheses. There is no scientific evidence to say that CKDU is due to cadmium and arsenic, uh, which are present in chemical fertilizers. However, this claim is there. So environmentalists uh, really wanted to see agriculture without chemical fertilizers. So the government decided it was time for an agricultural revolution. This happened almost a year ago when we heard our president coming on TV and letting people know that he's going to immediately impose a ban on the synthetic fertilizer and pesticides. Professor Budima Rumbe is an agricultural scientist at the University of Peradinya in Sri Lanka. People get very worried when you say there are toxic materials in the food that comes in that will reduce your expected lifespan and your kids will get ill because of the chronic kidney diseases. President Rajapaska announced last April that he would tackle these health concerns head-on with a dramatic new policy, a total ban on chemical fertilisers. 
Sri Lanka's farms were going to go 100% organic. At the time, there were questions about the scientific evidence supporting this plan, but Bodhima Rambe says vested interests had been lobbying the president during his election campaign, convincing him it was the way to go. There were people from medical sciences, there were people from agriculture sciences as well, and there were clergy, Buddhist clergy, and there were many other private sector people who have been doing this organic agriculture to a certain level in, the, in, in Sri Lanka. The global market for premium-priced organic produce can be lucrative, but not everyone was convinced that would work for Sri Lanka. We all know quite clearly this is a very small niche market. This is a kind of a carrot that was used, saying that we can earn a lot of foreign exchange out of that. But originally, the idea was on human health. Organic farming isn't new in Sri Lanka. Tea and vegetable growers have been doing it for years on a much smaller scale. But what happened here was that the whole country was turned into organic. At least an attempt was made by the government to turn into organic. It was another potential reason for the ban to save money on importing synthetic fertiliser, because that's very costly, isn't it? At the time the decision was taken, this factor was never brought forward or not even put in the discussion. We actually thought as scientists that would have been the reason, but the hidden factor would have been the foreign exchange crisis that they were in. Sri Lanka wasn't the first country to try and go fully organic either. In 2014, the small Himalayan kingdom of Bhutan announced it would try to make the switch, but it struggled to make that happen. They even had a time period or time span of six years to achieve this target. And they started preparing for this activity since 2003. But Bhutan found that they are in big trouble and they were in a, in a, in a situation where more than 50% of the staples that they consumed had to be imported. Warning signs were there that accelerating to 100% organic, even with years of planning, was unfeasible. Back in Sri Lanka, similar concerns from agricultural experts were ignored. All our estimates from the day that decision was made, we always told the government that it is an ill-fated decision that the government has taken. Myself, as well as other agricultural scientists from different universities, wrote to His Excellency asking for an audience, even for an half an hour, to explain the detrimental impacts. But those things went unheard, unfortunately. With the world overwhelmed by the COVID pandemic and Sri Lanka's economy already struggling as a result of absent tourists, this organic revolution could not have come at a worse time. It took the farmers by surprise and it took the rest of the country by surprise as well. Saloni Shah is a food and agricultural analyst at the Breakthrough Institute, an environmental think tank based in California. She says problems with this organic plan emerged right at the beginning of its rollout in April last year. While the Sri Lankan government was quick to bring in a ban on chemical fertilisers, it hadn't really thought through what was needed to replace it. There was not enough capacity within the country to produce their own organic fertiliser. Five to seven times organic manure would be needed to cover the nutrients that synthetic fertilizers provide. You need more animals to produce that much manure. Organic farming has lower yields, and so you need more land to also produce the same amount of crop. And so on a small, tiny island nation, there is just not enough land to both produce that much manure, but to also meet the amount of production that you would be able to achieve with synthetic fertilizers. 
Hopes of making money from the rising global demand for organic produce were also overstated. To put this in perspective, the country grows more tea than the entire global organic tea combined. So if they were to completely transition their tea production to organic, they would end up flooding the tea market and that could send prices into a spiral. Producing and selling organic food around the world requires detailed inspections and testing over time to meet strict legal standards. None of that was in place. There was a regulatory framework that was implemented to advise farmers on what kinds of organic fertilizer to use and which ones were safe. Farmers uh, were not provided sufficient technical guidance and advice on what kinds of practices to implement. And soon it became clear that farmers faced losing crops and livelihoods. There's two rice growing seasons in the country. The first one is called the Yala rice growing season, which is from May through September. So that started right as the ban was implemented, which is the minor growing season. And the major growing season starts in September and ends in March. So it just ended. So they were in a situation where coming into the Maha rice growing season, there wouldn't be enough fertilizer to support the harvest. Fertilizer prices have also been rising across the world, and that certainly impacts Sri Lankan farmers who are now also without subsidized fertilizers. And so losses were estimated to be around 40% for rice crop, and that would have an adverse impact on food security for the country. Within just months of it being introduced, the organic plan was crumbling and public backlash growing. And so you quickly started to see protests across the country around this policy. People started to face food shortages and rising food prices and started to become pretty angry over it. That sharp drop in rice yields forced the Sri Lankan government towards a drastic and expensive fix. They normally import around eight to 9,000 metric tons of rice. And so they're normally almost self-sufficient in rice. But now they're in a position where they've imported 400,000 metric tons of rice from India and Myanmar in anticipation of production losses impacting food security. And rice prices had already risen and people's ability to purchase rice has also declined due to the, the depreciation of the currency and soaring inflation. And so all that put together spells a food security crisis. At the start of November last year, despite clear failures in the policy, President Gotabaya Rajapaska reinforced his commitment to organic agriculture at the COP26 climate change conference in Glasgow, Scotland. But just weeks after that speech and seven months since the project began, Sri Lanka's government was forced into a U-turn. They were in a position where they were compelled to reverse the ban. They didn't provide an official reason. The government partially reversed the ban in late November to allow synthetic fertilizer imports, but just for key export crops like tea, rubber and coconut, because those crops are a critical source of foreign currency as well. Tea brings in about $1.3 billion normally to the economy. But with the yield loss being predicted to be about 40% for tea, they could have suffered $425 million in economic losses. This is a case of a man-made disaster to 
come out of this it's going to take now possibly years because the farmers who have been used to cultivating with chemical fertilizers are now even thinking of abandoning agriculture altogether Dr Alian Kadigama is a senior lecturer in sociology at the University of Jaffna in Sri Lanka The ongoing aftereffects of the failed switch to organic farming have only exacerbated Sri Lanka's wider financial crisis. It's had a really negative impact on our economy and keep in mind this is coming during the pandemic when other sectors were already affected and people were turning to agriculture and even subsistence and this has really destroyed their possibilities of finding alternate ways to ensure food security. This month Sri Lanka's central bank defaulted on 51 billion dollars worth of foreign debt. It said making repayments from foreign exchange reserves is challenging and impossible because it still needs to pay for importing essential goods. With the war in Ukraine, commodity prices in general have gone up. Food is also not reaching our consumers. So the whole supply system is going through many stresses perhaps the chief one has been this fertilizer ban that has affected agricultural supply chains pandemic business losses supply chain interruptions and soaring inflation have seen shortages of essentials including medical supplies today the country is experiencing daily extended power cuts because it can't afford to import fuel We've never had a food crisis of this sort perhaps since the 1930s when we went through a famine along with the great depression and these kinds of heavy shortages of locally produced goods was never in question making things worse is an earlier government decision made 3 years ago when it reduced some taxes even abolished others altogether and that's revenue the country desperately needs and is now looking to borrow Sri Lanka's two large bilateral donors India and China have been called on to help most recently India has given 500 million US dollar credit line to purchase oil uh, mainly diesel and petrol and a 1 billion US dollar credit line to import essential goods such as vegetables rice and pharmaceuticals so those are carrying Sri Lanka through for the next month or two and the government is pleading with india and china for more of such loans but that's not going to solve the longer term problem unless we produce enough and there's higher earnings loans are only going to increase our debt stock the chemical fertilizer ban may have been rolled back but the situation remains critical trust has been lost and organic farming has gotten a bad name at the same time out of desperation given that chemical fertilizers are not available due to the balance of payment crisis farmers are also trying innovative ways of combining small quantities of chemical fertilizers with organic compost now how those experiments would turn out a lot will depend on how the farmers react to it and the kind of knowledge and experience they gain through this crisis as well the wider financial crisis and increasing public anger recently saw protesters occupy the entrance to the president's palace 26 cabinet members also resigned leaving the president and his brother the prime minister in charge a new cabinet was sworn in
The government has announced a $200 million package to compensate more than a million farmers whose harvests were affected by the chemical fertiliser ban. But Sri Lanka's failed experiment in organic farming has not only caused huge harm to the economy, but it's also damaged an admirable idea. I think this idea of banning chemical fertilisers or changing agriculture sector overnight has taken a great beating. I don't think any government is going to attempt this anytime in the near future. But now there has to be a lot done to redress the losses of the farming and agricultural communities. It's been very sporadic. There have been many announcements, but from what farmers tell us, they've hardly been compensated. The way in which this policy has been taken forward, it's going to be very difficult to initiate such conversations with the farmers again. Could this policy ever have worked in Sri Lanka? I think among many agriculturalists, there was a sense in which perhaps we were overusing chemical fertilizers and that we should have been reducing it. In fact, I worked with the cooperatives and about four years ago, we built three organic compost plants. But the idea then was that we would very gradually reduce the quantities of chemical fertilizers used. Uh, Nobody even imagined that a sudden ban or a full end to chemical fertilizers would be possible. It should have been something that have been attempted gradually, say over a decade, of slowly reducing the use of chemical fertilizers. But to try to do it overnight was just disastrous. So why did Sri Lanka's organic farming dream fail? There are economic problems beyond its control, like record global prices for the imported goods it's buying, with dwindling foreign exchange funds, but the ban and the fallout are self-inflicted. Basic considerations were missed, the natural fertiliser shortfall, a lack of preparation time for farmers, and no contingency plans to fill the gap from lower organic yields. The government underestimated the scale and consequences of its policy. It was a short-sighted move, which will have consequences for many years to come. We need to understand what happened in Sri Lanka and ensure we don't make drastic changes to our farming system here in New Zealand that could have similar consequences. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.